Well, at least now we know when we're scared, we are supposed to literally grab our boob. Full hand over full boob. Yeah. Ripping action. Breast clutching. Yes. It was a good lesson. It's me, Sarah Marie, and I'm a sucker for a good vampire film. And my name is Casey, and I'm just a sucker. Hey. <laughs> but for real, Casey writes and studies scripts and produces and acts in films, and I think she's a damn genius. Yeah, and Sarah Marie just, like, really likes vampires. And this is Bloodsuckers, a podcast where we endeavor to watch every vampire film we can get our fangs in. As super fans and filmmakers, we'll be pumping you full of our own special brand of heroin i.e commentary and opinions and stuff like that <laughs> so suck it up and listen in tonight because it can't be day it's gonna be tonight. yeah yeah tonight always. nosferatu the original 1922 vampire film casey we just watched this in your best words please give us a synopsis about the thing we just watched okay Synopsis. It was really, really boring. <laughs> <laughs> but to, like to give an honest, honest opinion of a 1920s film, I would have to watch 10 other silent 1920s films to know if this was boring or if this was awesome, right? So the synopsis is that the dopiest chucklehead of all times um, has a boss just and just as an aside, this whole film has just excellent eyebrow work. Really good eyebrows. Like the focus was on the eyebrows. So Chucklehead's boss was like, Oh my god, this guy in another land wants to buy a house. Oh, and since everybody's gonna figure it out every way, this is an adaptation of uh what's it called? Bram. Bram's Stoker's Stoker's very Dracula. good. Yes. yes. He goes to this place, he finds this really creepy dude, finds his finds this dude. Oh, the dude feeds him food. Like, there's no kitchen or anything, but this feast ends up on the table. They sign contracts. That's just not how real estate works. Um, Well, and wasn't it written in a weird hieroglyphic font? Yeah, there... Well, the the whole film really had unfortunate font choices. At some point, Chucklehead gets bit bit in the neck. I would like to also comment on how vampires in the 1920s did not necessarily had fangs as much as they had like giant bunny teeth. So the fangs on Nosferatu were right in the front. He bites Chucklehead in the neck. Chucklehead's fine and, you know, is in a race to time to get back to his like girlfriend who's really good at being absolutely ridiculous and fainty. Like some, somehow he realizes that he's like with a bad vampire and and that the, the vampire, he saw a picture of his wife and he's like, well, I have to get back to my wife. So they're like now in a race to get across the ocean. The vampire gets there. Nosferatu gets there, gets to his new house that he bought and then proceeds to annihilate the entire town with his bunny teeth. Um, and they think it's the plague. And then um, the most anticlimactic ending ever is that he bites Mina. I'm sorry, not Mina. 
Ellen, and, like, because she's a maid, he gets distracted by her maidenhood? Yeah. yeah. I'm not really clear. He's penetrating her neck. Her neck. And it's, I guess, she's the only attractive female in the town or maid in the town. Right in the center of the neck, too. Right in, like, the divot. Trachea. And because she's so pure or whatever, he gets distracted and the sun comes up and he burns in the sun. And that's the end of the film. Like, I can't even make this synopsis is funny because it's like this film was an hour and a half and nothing happened but somehow we got through an entire story okay now summarize it in one sentence the world's most boring adaptation of of dracula it's not what you wanted is it no i love it i love (laughs) it i support it i support your choices and i love it are you ready for some trivia and lore yes okay bless you bless you what's my cat she sneezed she sneezed because she's a vampire. I wish I could articulate, bless you, the level of disdain my cat is giving me right now. I like how she sneezes out of the right side of her mouth. Everyone's got allergies right now, yeah. Austin. Especially Lady Vengeance. Especially Lady Vengeance. Are you done interrupting? Let me try this again. Okay. Here's some trivia and lore. It's from IMDb and Wikipedia, and there's so much more that you can go see out in the universe, in the world wide webs, if you want to know more. These are just a couple of my favorites. The concept in popular culture that sunlight is lethal to vampires is based on this film, which depicted such a death for the very first time in film history. No kidding, this is the beginning of that Yes, yes, because that did not happen in the actual Bram Stoker's Dracula book. How did it die in the original? It was a beheading and a, a stake through the heart and a beheading and a cross and many Christian things had to happen and like they drove him all the way back to Transylvania and they uh, messed up all of his dirt boxes and they beheaded him and they staked him through the heart. You know what happened? And they put, I think they put garlic in his mouth and a crucifix. Wow. You think in this one they were like running out of time and money and they were like, what can we do? Just have the open window banish him. Yes. And that that very beautiful musical cock noise. Okay, F.W. Murnau knew that he would be sued for borrowing heavily from Bram Stoker's 1897 novel Dracula without permission, so he changed the ending in order that he could say that this film and Dracula were not exactly the same. But, okay, hold on a moment, because over in the Wikipedia... The film was produced by Prana Film and is an unauthorized and unofficial adaptation of Bram Stoker's ninth, sorry, 1897 novel Dracula. Various names and other details were changed from the novel, including Count Dracula being renamed Count Orlock. It is believed that some of these changes were implemented in an attempt to avoid accusations of copyright infringement. However, this seems unlikely as the original German intertitles explicitly state that the film is based on the Bram Stoker novel. Film historian David Carrasco states in his commentary track for the film that no source has ever documented this claim and that since the film was a low-budget film made by Germans for German audiences, setting it in Germany with German-named characters makes the story more tangible and immediate for German-speaking viewers. So some people are like, oh, it's different and they called him Orlok instead of Dracula because copyright infringement. But then this dude is like, nah, it was just a low-budget film and they thought they could get away with it. Right, but then they ended up getting sued, and that's they had to remove all of the copies of the film. So they, okay, so they they literally trashed all of the copies of the film. They got sued, and they were like, "You got to destroy all the." And so that's why the one we watch now has been piecemealed together from 
Yes. Copies that people have saved. Yes. The American version went to the UK and then was translated back into the German for the release there. When the restorers were about to make a definitive version, they were looking through the number of archives. So apparently they this film made, made it into the archives. I would also like to say in Bram Stoker's version, Dracula was not an Osferatu. No, he was just a guy. Yeah, he was just a vampire. Kind of a creepy guy. Kind of a creepy guy. Much more attractive-ish, yeah. depending on who... Which one you watch? Yeah. Speaking of that, the movie was banned in Sweden due to excessive horror. Really? Yes. Like, this was so scary yes. that they banned it? Until 1972. 1972? Yes. That, that was an oversight. They just forgot about it, and somebody found it one day and was like, oh, we should do away with this. I will say, some of the imagery of Orlok is scary. Like him, oh, like when, okay, when uh, Mina Ellen looks out her window and she's like, this is what I look at every day or whatever. It looks, or night or whatever, and looks out the window and he's just like hanging out. Hanging out of the window. It's fucking creepy. You didn't find it hilarious? I found it, but also creepy. <sighs> um, okay. I love that it was banned for, like, it's like they never saw anything scary back then. It's too scary. Well, they're Swedish. They eat fish and... Hug each other. They're blonde. They're blonde. They're very blonde. <laughs> uh, Count Orlock is only seen blinking once on screen near the end of Act One. Well, I, now I have to go back and watch the whole thing again. I know I should have. Do you want to go back and watch? You no, wanna... absolutely not. <laughs> he only blinks once on screen. Was that on purpose? I don't know. I don't know. Because Mina, Mina, Ellen just like blinks all the time That's actually her whole life is just being shocked awake in bed and blinking and blinking yeah it's because she has no lines and nothing to do so she's gotta blink and feel yeah but be like a the weakest woman of all times next time i get my feelings hurt i'm going to blink and feel and not do okay. anything yeah that's perfect that's great Werner Herzog told Terry Gross, that lovely lady from the NPR, in 1998 that he feels that this is the greatest German film ever made. I'm sorry, what? Yes. Werner Herzog directed the remake Nosferatu the Vampire, the 1979 version. And he thinks this one is the best film ever made? Best German film ever made. Like, at, like after this, Germans should have just stopped making films? All of the other films Germans have ever made. I don't think he's saying that they should have stopped, but he's saying this is the best. Like, some people are like, Citizen Kane, nothing will ever be better than Citizen Kane, but then you watch Citizen Kane and you're like... Eh. That was a bold statement. I know. But he did direct the remake, so maybe he was on a press tour. Perhaps. And I will say, I have seen Shadow of the Vampire, which is the William Defoe stars as the vampire, and they're making this Nosferatu film. It's a fictionalized retelling of them making 1922's Nosferatu, and William Defoe plays Orlock. And it's hilarious. We have to watch this. We're gonna. Okay, great. We're going through the whole history of everything. Of vampires. Of, of Yes. We're, the whole history of the world. Okay, listen to this. Shadow of the Vampire is a fictionalized depiction of the events surrounding the film's production based on the urban legend that Max Schreck was in actuality a vampire. Max Schreck is the, the fellow that played Orlock. Schreck was played by William Defoe in the film. Oh. Yeah. And John Malkovich is in that film, and it's no kidding. It's wild because he can never do any other accent <laughs> other than oh, you know what I mean. Yeah, I can't wait. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be so great. Now that we're done with trivia, Casey, how are you gonna fix this? 
Oh or, my gosh. Or what would you like to celebrate about it in case you think the story was perfect, my expert storyteller slash script writer? Like I said, it's really hard because I'd have to watch other silent films to properly compare it to films of the time. The, their, the script was awful. Was there even a script? How do you script a silent film? I don't know. Just I, pages of action? I feel like when you and I were watching it, we commented that it was like indie films that we've both worked on. Where you know it's a disaster, but they don't let you do anything about it because it's an actor, because you're an actor, so you're you're just like oh, I'll just do what they say and well or for the best or it's like you ask a question like why am I getting into bed with my jeans on and they're like we'll fix it in post <laughs> right there was so much of that he got into bed in full clothes and woke up in pajamas he angrily threw a book at a candle but then it was also with him when he got home mm-hmm. you know here's what I would fix I would make it a 15 minute short film because I think you can cut so much rambly nonsense out of it that there's just images. And I think you could tell this story in, in 15 minutes. Okay, did anything in this film sincerely move you? Yeah, the eyebrows. <laughs> no, sincerely! No, it was never sincerely no? moved. If you want to be serious, I was never sincerely moved. I was moved by Orlock. I did think there were moments when he was You scared. have a crush on him. A little bit, yes. You love creepy men. That coat was so cool. Like the, the costume coat. design. So what you were saying is you were moved by Orlock's coat. Oh uh, Yeah, the imagery. And his coat, but also his fingers, the way they elongated his fingers, right? I take it back. There is something that really moved me. Oh my God, what? <laughs> so when he had to carry his own coffin like, <laughs> 10 miles to his house. So he successfully like kills everybody on a ship, like goes from his home in Transylvania and gets to wherever they are in Germany. He has one coffin left and he like walks for miles through night carrying this giant coffin, which obviously is made of paper mache because it makes it look really light. There's He does all this stuff and there's no one to carry his coffin for him. Like the world's most powerful man and he's like lugging his own coffin down the street and it's just hilarious. It's so delightful. I would make a short film where he's carrying his coffin and we just play yakety sack underneath all of it. (laughs) That would be the correct orchestral accompaniment. Follow up question. This might be a challenging one, but if you were to rescore, because I know I read somewhere that uh, a a modern band rescored this and they showed it with their own music underneath. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the title of the band. Which is, I understand why they chose to do that. Right? If you could pick any artist to understand underscore this oh tom waits oh yeah tom waits would do it that's that's real that would make this whole film ten thousand times better i was thinking um chronos quartet do you know chronos quartet like a weird chamber orchestra quartet obvious in the title that sounds like it would also be amazing. That'd be cool. And here, here's why, just so everybody knows, that this somebody decided to re-score this film in modern days because this the score often was counter to the emotions of the actors. Yeah. Like, it was still playing happy music while the actor was, like, literally clutching her boob. Because we R- talked Ripping about it out! When they we learned that clutching your breast is a f- turn of phrase because back then they literally clutched their breast it was upsetting. not their chest she grabbed her breast her breast when she was scared and then orlock when he was about to die also grabbed his breast he grabbed it yeah i mean like claws into the whole boob yeah it was great anyways the the music was contrasting to what was going on with the actors and it was upsetting say something dramatic and i'll score it for you okay like like i'm scared like you're scared okay <gasps> oh my god Orlock is coming! (laughs) Correct. That is what it was like. (laughs) I liked it. 
the movie? I wouldn't watch it again, though. <laughs> I think to like it, you have to be willing to watch it again? No. Okay. I can't. Okay, I appreciated it. I, I would say, I would tell people to watch this for historical value. Oh, yeah. I would not tell them to watch this because it is a good film. And I feel mean saying that because in the 1920s, it was a whole different beast to make a movie. Not only was pacing and timing different, not only was the technology different, there was no dialogue. Like I, like I said, I have no frame of reference. But in 2022, this film is boring as book. <laughs> But an interesting watch if you are watching it to see like a piece of history and what silent films look like. And I would say undervalued is the fact that when you watch a silent film, you can talk to each other without worrying. And you shut up when it's time to read. You know what I mean? Like have you ever watched a film with someone who's talking oh, and you're yeah. like, shh, 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 shh. Yeah. So you want to hear what the person is. Yeah, you can listen with your ears and watch with your eyes and the two don't conflict in your brain. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about the tropes, really. So I feel like the tropes in all of the Bram Stoker Dracula and all of its adaptations are consistent in those adaptations, and they don't necessarily branch out outside of that. I've never in any other vampire film seen that the vampire had to have his coffin and dirt. That, yes, 100%. That's Bram Stoker's Dracula all the way. And like, what a cumbersome thing for those poor vampires to have to deal with. Well, and in this one, I thought they explained it really well by saying they have to bring around the dirt that they were buried in. The like evil earth that they were. Yeah, the plagued earth. That's where they drew their shadowy power. This is the first time, as we read on IMDb, that the Sunlight Kills Vampires trope was ever introduced. And it's just because they ran out of time and money. There was no garlic in this. There were no crosses. Nope. There was no holy water. There nope. was no stake through the heart. All of that is in the other yeah. Bram Stoker Dracula, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, so in this film alone, it's just coffins and sunlight. I'm also going to say, I don't think this is a trope, but I'm going to make it up. Very bad vampire foreshadowing puns was very present in this film, right? Like, the mosquitoes are 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 biting. Oh, yeah. Like a vampire. <laughs> With some really obvious bad dad puns. This Venus flytrap ate this fly. Like a vampire! I mean, are those... Are those puns as much as they are just like obvious exposition to help guide a really dumb audience i'm gonna say that i don't think they're puns yeah. i think they've got to be punny to be puns yeah this is just hilarious because it's ridiculous yeah nosferatu like that's a that's a trope uh, his style that orlock max shrek uh-huh. is its own style of looking vampire that gets emulated later in Films like 30 Days of Night is a Nosferatu style vampire, Is this the first time you see a Nosferatu vampire? I mean, I don't actually know because I'm not that smart enough. In fact, the reason we're on this journey is so that we can learn much, much, much more about vampires. But I mean, this is one of the very first vampire films. There's another one that came out in 1916, I want to say, that's Lost Forever. This might set the visual style, is what I'm saying. For Nosferatu. Is this vampire labeled as Nosferatu anywhere? It's called Nosferatu. In the film. Yeah, well, and also in the book. You remember that scary vampire book that he kept throwing around? Oh, it's called Nosferatu there. Yeah. And a, a night bird, or a bird night, or a death bird. The death or, bird. Yeah. I feel like some really smart person is listening to this right now, pulling their hair out because they know the answer. Which, you know what? Here's the thing. You can comment in the comments section, wherever that happens to be when we drop this podcast. Yeah. Tell us how we're wrong. Yeah. And we'll do better. We won't, but you can say we will. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be optimistic here. I liked the film. I would not watch it again, and we're gonna do better. Those are my closing words. Okay, great. <laughs> but you, so you would label here Nosferatu as a trope? Yeah, like a style of vampire. 
Like, Twilight Vampires is a style of vampire. Is that a trope, though? It's a sparkle vampire. I don't know. I don't know what a trope is. Yes, you do. I mean, I like, an ugly vampire is, it's like, its own thing. It's its own category. I don't know if it's a trope, but it's a category. Okay, it'll be a category of vampire. This yes. is the first time, perhaps, we'll look it up and we'll fill, we'll fill it in on the next episode, but this is the first time that a Nosferatu category vampire has been been given visual representation in a film and we know so little right now because we're right at the beginning yes we'll we're know, gonna know so much like oh my god three episodes in we're it's gonna be insane we're gonna be geniuses by then <laughs> any parting words yeah for halloween when you do your vampire teeth just make them real crazy bunny teeth vampires are bunnies bunnies oh, like bunicula did you ever read that i'm sorry what it's for another day bye bye Bloodsuckers is a podcast by Little Renegade Films. It stars Casey Zanni and Sarah Marie Curry. Title and closing song are by Tosin Awofeso. Follow us on the social medias at Little Renegade Films. Thanks for listening. Rawr.